It's the week of March 31st, and this is MASHCAST 120. Episode 120, I am Jared, and I'm here with the lover, the writer, friend of the people, an ally from the Great White North, Joel Couture. Self-professed king of Canada, Joel Couture. Welcome, <laughs> crazy. Yes, yes, Nick, once again, not here. The scourge of Iron Forge, not here. So, once again, safeties are off, people. Big screw you to Nick for not being here. I'm oh, sure yeah. he has a good reason. But we don't care. <laughs> I mean, luckily for Nick, we don't have. We, we really, I don't think we really have our guns targeted at anybody this week. Going no, through the it's news. like who are we gonna go after? Like it's been kind of quiet. Maybe the the games industry uh, public defender knew this is gonna be a quiet week, so therefore he's like, ah, I really don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, yeah, we got a, a couple things this week. Um, not as not as many as the last two weeks. I'll tell you that much, but. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about Square Enix saying it wants to get back to its roots. Uh, the Metacritic scores are now on Amazon. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, free-to-play whales. Or, you know, free-the-play whales, as I said earlier, to the Cholkator. Which was hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. So free-to-play whales. But before we get into all that, uh, top story for us here is that Phil Spencer is now the head of Microsoft X- Microsoft's Xbox division. Dear um, God, somebody who wants games first is in charge of Xbox. Yes. Dear God. <laughs> it's everything I've dreamed. He even mentioned Shenmue. He My did? God. Yes. I didn't see that. He did. I yes, did not know he was talking about Shenmue. It's like, holy shit. I want to carry this man around. <laughs> well, you know, like he, um, Phil Spencer was the head of Microsoft Studios, so he was very game centric to begin with. And it looks like that's carrying over. Now, when I say he's the head of Xbox, he is the head of everything Xbox-related. That's Xbox, Xbox Live, Xbox Music, Xbox Video, uh, and still Microsoft Studios. And even like Xbox branding on tablets and phones and PC, he's going to be the head of all that. And his big message is that um, Xbox is a gaming brand. That's what he says. That's Which is what he's wanting to hear since... They announced the, the fucking announced Xbox the One. He <laughs> mm-hmm. says, um, they're putting a gaming person at the head of the Xbox division and me as the head of Xbox. The Xbox brand has always been a gaming brand. People with their consoles use entertainment offerings of the console every day, something that we will focus on. But I definitely come to this platform with a gaming focus, and I want to make sure that make sure that's what your reader hears. Uh, and they understand that Xbox is a gaming brand. He gets it. 
He gets it. He gets that, yes, people use Netflix. They use HBO+. Plus. They use the entertainment services on the Xbox. But people don't buy Xboxes because of that. They buy Xboxes because they want to play Xbox games. Yeah, I don't buy a car because I want an air conditioner. If you put a really fancy air conditioner in it, it's not going to sell me on the car. Yes, that's a great analogy, Joel. Holy shit. Sometimes the brain works. <laughs> Yes, but he he gets it. I mean, this is, I mean, I, norm. I, I don't know if this is the, the the first good piece of Xbox news we've talked about on the show. It's you, the first time I've like thought of Xbox One and not had kind of like a uh, moment to myself. Like I'm actually kind of like maybe I will buy this system. Maybe something good will come of this. Yeah, dude, when I, like, it's kind of like usually when we talk about Xbox or you know or Microsoft on the show for like the past year. Mm-hmm. It's been like weapons free, guns blaze. Like it's been <laughs> that's that's basically the way it's been uh, since you know the announcement of the Xbox One, or even before the announcement of the Xbox One. So this is the first good news I think that we've heard in a long time from Microsoft. And uh, I wrote an article, a short article on the site about it, saying that this is this is a, a good thing. I mean, it's not too late. Microsoft, the Xbox One isn't a lost cause yet. <laughs> it's not a lost cause yet. We'll see what Phil Spencer does with it. But if Phil Spencer comes into this and focuses on the games and focuses on the consumer, they can totally turn this around. Sony. Yeah, uh, how long were they screwed up for? Like two years? Three? Something like that? And Before they, they got their head out of their ass? Kind of. And then they got pulled back down mm-hmm. with the PSN hack. Yeah. You know, they, they, they had, you know, they... Sony was smelling itself way too much back when the PS3 came out. They uh, they just figured they could put anything out and people would buy it because it's PlayStation. Obviously, they were wrong. And then they turned it around. Kazurai turned it around by focusing on the consumer, what they wanted, and making them happy, making them feel special with all, you know, the Kevin Butler commercials, the Michael campaign, you know, all that stuff. I'm not saying that Microsoft has to follow that same exact pattern because, of course, Microsoft's problems are totally different. Like people, people don't trust Microsoft like, like people don't trust the NSA right now. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a good old M dollar. Yeah, like that's yeah. Nobody trusts Microsoft right now because of that. Uh, because of you know what happened with the Xbox One that was coming out, and, the, and actually Phil Spencer was the guy talking about the sugar-coated messages and stuff like that. Uh, so you know he was there for that. So that. That's why, you know, the PS4 is trouncing the Xbox One at this point. But Microsoft could totally turn this around. Mm-hmm. You know, if they... Uh, uh, first of all, I think if Microsoft, if Microsoft did a price drop or, or unbundled the Kinect, if they unbundled the Kinect, dude, like, that would be a huge boon for the Xbox One. Xbox, All those Xbox Ones I see at Costco be flying off the shelves. <laughs> Dude, seriously, I saw two mountains of Xbox Ones when I was at Costco last week. Oh, yeah. Usually when I see them, there's a little bit of dust on them. I usually don't see boxes, like, on the floor stacked higher than me, because for those who don't know, I'm, like, 6'3". Dude, they were high. Yeah. They were high. I was like, wow. Well, it's so easy to find them. It's still so hard to find a PS4. Like, I saw a PS4 at GameStop the other day, and I didn't even recognize it. I was like, really? what is that? Oh, that's a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a promo box or something. It's like, God, I haven't seen one of those in months. They actually had one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sony is talking about they're not gonna have they're not gonna have PS4s in stock or in regular stock until like the summertime. Which is a perfect time. if so if Xbox can get its head of its ass now, it's a good time to get the console into people's houses. Yeah, but it's gonna take more than a few months. I mean, definitely gonna take four, more than a few months to come out, uh, or to, to come out of the funk that they're in right now. True that. I mean, this holiday season, they could do something about this holiday season that'll be huge. Mm-hmm. Because you know, it's funny because a lot of you know, I don't think console sales really go up during you know will boost that high during the summertime. No, um, God, nothing moves in the summertime. Yeah, like I mean, even. Even like, like games, you would you would expect for games that came out in the summer to work to go well, but you know nobody puts out anything during the summertime, which is also probably why consoles don't move. But you know, let's say you know this October, November, yeah, like that that is when the consoles will move, and we'll see who's you know who's doing what. Sony's in the lead right now, and not saying that Microsoft is gonna automatically all suddenly catch up to Sony because so, there's. I don't think Sony's gonna try let them, or at least they're gonna try to do something, mm-hmm. you know, because Sony has a bunch of tricks up their sleeve. Like you know, we hopefully like that that rental thing wasn't just some cruel joke by Sony or something mm-hmm. that they were gonna try but decided not to. Um, I'm hoping not, because that rental thing will be huge from Sony and could give Microsoft some uh, some trouble. But then of course Microsoft will just do it a bit later. Mm-hmm. What Microsoft really needs is they need this this new blood. They need this new focus. And then they need innovation, okay? I don't know when's the last time that Microsoft actually innovated something very important for the games industry. Like, Xbox Live, huge. Very, very important. And then it was because of Microsoft that now these consoles can be extensions to services like Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime. But Microsoft went overboard with that. And that's... What, what what their problem is right now. Yeah, they thought it's what people wanted their system for and not that it was a nice attachment to the system. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas Sony, they're... You know, the PS4 and the Xbox One are powerful in terms of consoles. Of course, they're not really touching PC. But, you know, Sony with their services like PS Plus, huge. PlayStation Now, it's going to be big. Uh, you know, they're, they're prepped and ready to go for, for streaming. Like seriously, and dude, if they, if they do rentals on sh- like streaming rentals, forget about it, man. That's gonna be fucking huge. You know, that shit right there put GameStop out of business. <laughs> Think about it. Like, oh, okay, this game is out today, and I can rent it. You know, even though it's probably gonna be some delay. I'll be honest, it's probably gonna be some delay uh, for game rentals. But a person can dream, right? Mm-hmm. I can dream, can't I? Don't. Change the whole business model. Could happen. <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's a good that's a good segue into whole the whole downloadable market. That's another push. It sure seems nice downloadable now. Why even bother getting a getting a disc? And then maybe next console is like it's gone and nobody complains. Could yeah. work. Yeah, I don't like it because I'm an old timer, but yeah. Well, they but if I can to... get a game for ten dollars instead of sixty. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that now you're talking. Work. Yeah, it's, it's a nice trade-off. It's a nice trade-off. So, right, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Phil Spencer now leading the entire Xbox division. This is the best news that Microsoft has put out. Yeah. yeah since, you... what was the last piece of good news that Microsoft really put out? 
Because uh, it wasn't the release of the Xbox One. God, this was so long ago. I, I don't think I've been too happy with Xbox in a good long-ass time. Yeah, like, my problems with Xbox started when they changed the interface the last time. Yeah, it turned into Ad City. Yes, because at that, at that point, like, before that, I was using my Xbox every day. Mm. I came home and turned on my Xbox. That's what I did. I came home and turned on my Xbox while I was playing a game watching Netflix or something. Now now I do that with my PS3. Shit, I got Hulu Plus on pause right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just waiting for me to get done with this podcast. <laughs> Gotta catch up on Blacklist, folks. Gotta catch up. So. Uh, but yeah, that that's what really caused me to change flags in terms of in terms of the consoles. Yeah. Because, so. yeah, I can't think of a, God, I can't think of anything Microsoft's done in ages that I've been happy with. Or yeah, ex- yeah. Even happy with. Yeah, like, lot lots of changes happening over at Microsoft, not just in the Xbox divisions. Lots of uh, lots of heads moving around. So, we'll I mean, he clearly knows what he's doing if he's bringing up Shenmue. Clearly, yes. gotta get my attention. Oh yeah, like that's if he can make that happen. I'm trying to think. Like, if that was an Xbox exclusive, I'd buy an Xbox One. I would too. I, I, I'd, eat, ended, I'd eat my words and just suck it up and buy an Xbox One now that I think about it. The second one ended at such a fucking point that I need that game and it's never going to exist. It drives me bananas. Oh, yeah. It's like, ugh. Actually, I, I, play, I, I played the original two on Dreamcast. That's how long ago that was. Yeah, same here. Dreamcast. They don't Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that fucking ending. I was like, yeah, let's fucking roll on this guy credits are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> i don't want to get into a huge shimu discussion but that last disc drove me nuts mm-hmm. because it was a lot of walking yeah anybody that's played that game that last disc was bullshit it was <laughs> like it should have ended before that disc because that, that shit that happened all at the end just non-stop fucking action was amazing. And I'd finally gotten the hang of how to play it at that point, really. Yeah. And then the third disc came, and it's kind of like, uh. Yeah, it's like, this is should be the start of the next game. Yes. Not, not <laughs> the, the end of this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But not to go off on, on a tangent, because I could talk about that game for so fucking long. God, so It made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so Xbox... Heading in a good direction. We will see what happens. Uh, moving on. Two other companies that are smartening up. Yes, I know. This is like <laughs> one of the best. Like This is the good news mash cast. And of course, Nick misses it. Yeah, He'd be out of his element. Because he, we, we're saying the good stuff. He'd have to go on the bad side of it. He would, he would too. He would do it. Because that's his job. That's his, his job. job he, is to be our foil. Yeah, he, yeah, oh yeah. He would he he would definitely be on the dark side. He doesn't want to be on the dark side though. No. All right. So Square Enix is looking uh, to get back to its roots, and uh, this is a good observation by the Square Enix president. So, you know, they 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 took a look. Oh, well, I, I should say this: Bravely's default success has had a major impact on the company, and I guess it caused them to view things in a different way. Okay, because they didn't really expect that game to do that well out of Japan, outside of Japan, and it did. So, you know, the the president brought that up, but then he also brought up uh, Hitman Absolution. Okay, 
Now, he could have eaten that. If this was Activision talking or if this was EA talking, it will probably have been something like, oh, where there's no market for Hitman anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been that would have been the narrative. Yeah, no, said, we ruined it. Yeah, exactly. He, he says, uh, if you focus too much on the global aspect, like, you know, in terms of, he says Hitman Absolution, they were trying to make it uh, uh, appeal to the masses. To bring new players, and he says, if you focus too much on the global aspect, you'll lose sight of who you're actually making the game for. Uh, the development team for Hitman Absolution really struggled in this regard. They implemented a vast amount of elements for the mass instead of for the core fans, as a way uh, to try to get many new players as possible. It was a strategy to gain mass appeal. However, that makes the Hitman series good. I'm sorry. However, what makes the Hitman series good is its appeal to core gamers and many fans felt the lack of focus in that regard, which ended up making a struggle in sales. That is 100% true. Uh, you can't... I shouldn't say... You can't take an establishment... I will say. You know, I, was, I, was, I can't say it. Yeah, I'm going to say it, because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take an established IP and then try to stretch it out too much. Now, you don't, get, you don't want your IP to get stale. You know, you do, you you definitely want to add new features to it and stuff like that, but you have to remember your your fan base. Now, when I say established IP, I think I I mean more than two games. Like if you make game one and game one does well, and then you make game two, game two you can you can make different if you want to. Okay, you could try to stretch it out a bit more, but by the time you get to game three, that game has an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, that game definitely has an identity. Uh, you can't take, you know, game five, Kojima, and turn it into something totally different. So <laughs> okay. it's a demo. God, we can't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're so mad. Dude, like, yeah, but that's the thing, like, you know, that's, I will, that's one thing I will say good about Ubisoft. Assassin's Creed is still Assassin's Creed. All they've done to the game is they have, uh, They've added some features. They've enhanced other features, but they haven't pulled the game so far out of its element to try to pull in new players. You know, Assassin's Creed Four. If you played Assassin's Creed One and then Assassin's Creed Four, you would still realize that you're playing Assassin's Creed. Hitman. Yeah, actually, you know, I need to rectify this because I actually said on the Mashcast. Somebody reminded me of this this week. I said on the Mashcast that Hitman Absolution was good. I'm sorry that I said that. <laughs> 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 I am because I hadn't pl- I had played a decent amount of the game, but I, ne- I I didn't go far enough. I got to certain parts of the game that I was like, okay, now I see what the problem is. Now I see why people don't really like this game because it wasn't really Hitman. It was way too linear, way too linear. At certain points of the game, and certain points of the game, they force you into combat situations where that just wouldn't happen in a Hitman game. The whole point of Hitman, like it's it's to be stealth to a T. You know what I'm saying? It's about being patient. And in the beginning, I was getting levels like that. To be honest with you, I was getting levels like that where you had to be patient. Like the one where, in order, like the way you can, um, the way you can kill your target, this is one this is one level. It's like the second or third level where you can kill your target by spiking his cocaine with like some type of poison. Okay? But you spike the can you spike the cocaine like fifteen minutes before he snorts it. 
So, like, you know, you got to spike the cocaine, and then you just have to kind of be patient until you, like, you know, snorts that shit and then dies. You know, that's, and then you can walk away. You can walk away clean. Like, nobody knows the difference. So, you know, that right there is more hitmanish. But later on in the game, it definitely, it gets, uh, it gets away from that. So I'm sorry for saying that game was good. And they're 100% right. They tried to make it more appealing to the masses, but Hitman is Hitman. You know, the the people who were excited about the Hitman game were Hitman fans. Yeah, these Not are people who are used to playing. Yeah, they're they're used to playing a certain type of game. This is your core audience, the one, the ones who are making it possible for these sequels to exist, and the main people are going to buy it. It's like it's so weird to piss them off just for a chance to reach another audience. And even then, it was just like a watered-down game with elements that they probably didn't want to begin with. Because like the people who don't play Hitman don't like the Hitman elements. Adding a bit more action is not going to really draw... It might draw a few in, but it's not going to draw in as many numbers as you're going to push away by watering down everything that made Hitman Hitman. Because a very specific type of gamer is going to love Hitman. And unless you ruin it for them... You're not going to get anybody else in. Is it? Uh, like it's just so. It's 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 a strange series of decision making that not just Square Enix, but a lot of companies have been making with their sequels over the past couple of years. And it's just I don't know. It's really frustrating to see this sort of thing happen in the games we love. Yeah, no. Like uh, Lords of Shadow Two. What yeah. the fuck was that? What <laughs> was that? I don't even know who they were trying to draw in. Stealth. I'm fucking Dracula. Why am I hiding? Like, who who thought stealth is hot now? Let's make Dracula hide and turn into rats. Like, it just <laughs> mystifying this game was. Yeah, well, look what they did to Dead Space. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I like, like the Dead Space series. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. That's past tense. Yeah. Because I Dead did, Space 3 was terrible. Yeah, I did score Dead Space 3 kind of high. Because as a game, it was good. As a Dead Space, it was shit. Yeah, but I did enjoy playing it. Mm-hmm. It was just a really weird position it put me in. It's like there's nothing really wrong with this as a game, but ah, it's so much wrong as Dead Space because it's just not doing it. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like that. I'm just glad. I hope this works out well for them. They said they want to focus more on core gamers. Mm-hmm. So you know, getting back to Final Fantasy, um, you know, other JRPGs that they were doing. Uh, you know, well, actually, with Tomb, Tomb Raider did well. Maybe they realized that hey, Tomb Raider did great, mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to it being a failure. Because remember, the first month Tomb Raider was out, they said it was a failure. Yeah. Even though it had sold three million copies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so maybe they'll adjust their expectations. That's what it's really about. I think a lot of these companies adjust expectations as opposed to like, well, this game does okay, so we're gonna just pump a bunch of money into it. And, you know, try to change it so more people buy it. Like, no, like, you know who, you know what your demographic is. You have a pretty good idea of how well that game is going to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, pump enough money into it and maybe, maybe it'll catch on and do better and do better. Yeah. You thought. Yeah. Like, look at how much you think you'll make. Set up a budget for that and say, can we make this game on this budget? If it's not possible, don't do it. Don't just try to like, well, maybe if we add this element or maybe if we change this element and make it more expensive and then they're selling these things at a loss saying, well, there's no market for the inter- this this game style. There is, but it's you have to budget accordingly. You can't just dump money into things and then expect to sell like four or five million copies. 
Yeah, exactly. So good luck to Square Enix, because hopefully, like, if this works out, other companies will take note. Um, it's all the non-American companies that are doing the good stuff. Sure. Non-American, because, you know, look at this. I mean, Square Enix is going back to its roots. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but Ubisoft is supporting small projects again. Like, they have, like, some of their major studios supporting small project, projects, like Child of Light, I think is the name of the game. It just came out as a platform, or it's coming out soon. Yeah, I think it's it's very soon. I'm going to try and play the packs, but... Yeah, that's that's like a, a small project. Um, technically speaking, Rayman is kind of a small project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's, it's really larger in scope because of that engine they had to develop for it. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the one that makes everything look like it's a fucking cartoon. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's one of the best looking games I've seen in years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, so, but Ubisoft and Square Enix is doing great, but Activision is still in there. Just bleed it dry and then toss it out. Yeah, just run it into the ground. And EA is still in there. Let's ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> let's, you know, it's, it's popular. Let's get in there and make more money. That's EA's yeah. mantra. Yep. So, you know, good for Square Enix. Hopefully it, it does well. Hopefully it works out for them so they can pump out more of the games that we love. And maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, give us so. a good quality Hitman where I want to pull my hair out all the time because I'm terrible at it. Oh, you're not good at Hitman? I'm not good at Hitman, but I like everything about Hitman. And it's yeah. a game I want to be good at. So I can't <laughs> stay mad at it because I know it's my fault. Because <laughs> well, I have no patience. Yeah, I so love I was Hitman like, games. Fuck it, I'm running in and I end up getting myself killed constantly. Yeah, Some yeah. of those levels, like... I think Blood Money, the fucking Mardi Gras level where you're dressed as a goddamn bird. Oh, like, yeah. Just, Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I I really, really do like Hitman, and I, I can't wait to see what they do with it. Uh, I'm just glad they didn't say Hitman didn't sell well, so we're getting rid of it. They said, no, no, this is what's wrong, and maybe they'll give it another try. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Um, All right, moving on. Metacritic. We don't like it. <laughs> but now it's in more places. Yes, Metacritic is now in more places, uh, specifically on Amazon. And I think the, I don't necessarily have a problem with Metacritic in general, I guess. What I have a problem with is its influence in the games industry. Metacritic has way too much power in the games industry already, and now it's even worse. Like, a lot of developers, their bonuses are based on Metacritic scores. Mm-hmm. Okay? And also, I mean, well, if you are a website that's on Metacritic, you get really, really good treatment. Too, and that leads to deals being made, like you know, IGN, um, it, you know, will make a deal with a specific, you know, game company that okay, well, if we guarantee you a minimum score of X, you'll give us X amount of exclusive interviews on the game, or you'll give us you know X, you know, a head start on the uh, review embargo, you know, stuff like that. That stuff does happen, folks. Um, I don't necessarily say that, you know, people are getting their pockets lined, you know, like which, you know, some people will say that's happening. I'm not saying people are getting paid directly, but it is a known practice to do minimum review scores. That is, that's, that's in there, unfortunately. Um, and be, it's because of like Metacritic, because it's so important. Actually, I think, was it? I think it was the New Vegas guys. The um, yeah, they lost their bonus by one point. They got yep. an eighty-four and they needed an eighty-five. Yep, 
they lost by one point. And because of Metacritic, it's also why the the rating system is so skewed for games. Like, you know, anything that's below a seven, people will say is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bad game, but that's really not true. Like, m- middle of the road should be a five. Yeah, exactly. Like, five is average. Like, the, like five to six is the, is an average score. It's halfway. Yeah. But we're all thinking, like, it's freaking high school again. Like, anything yes. below 60, 70, just, ugh. But uh, it's, it's kind of confusing what the numbers mean. It's making hard, making it very difficult, even as reviewers, to, like, set a numerical score on things, because... Like, uh, I might think something's average, and I know how our score works. But to somebody else looking in, they see a six, and like, ooh, that's that's not very good. It's, it's not. It's actually fine. It's average. It's just has nothing to amaze. But they see that six or five, and they're like, oh, that's trash. Like we got a we got a whole slew of numbers for trash. There's they're ones and twos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't forget the point fives. Mm-hmm. And there too. Exactly. Yep. So um yeah like the Metacritic's now on Amazon and it's if I don't know if you thought it was bad before it's it's going to be worse because now there's going to be more pressure to get good scores on Metacritic. Yeah, cuz if it's directly tied to your sales on Amazon like it's right there like somebody doesn't even have to look for it. Like cuz there's still like Metacritic's still something you have to look search out right now while you're buying something. So if it starts popping up on Amazon it's right there for you when you're about to buy the product. You best believe game companies are going to not want their games getting scored low when somebody's going to see it when they're about to buy it. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Even though, I mean, personally, I enjoy Amazon uh, reviews more than I do Metacritic reviews in terms of like the, 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 the user reviews. Because, dude, the fucking Amazon reviews are fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, um, yeah, now, I mean, like I said, I don't have a big problem with Metacritic in general. I mean, they're just an aggregate. That's that's what they do. Um, and the questions to get on Metacritic in terms of, like, the, the qualifications you need are pretty fair, I think. Uh, I've seen the questionnaire. Um, but still, like, it, it, I think it gives it way more power than we want it to have. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, expect to see that. Actually, I, th- I think it's on Amazon right now. I, I don't know. <laughs> right, I, I haven't been in a couple of days. Yeah, I'm uh, broke. I'm saving up for packs. Again, bringing up packs. Yeah, excited for packs. I am excited. My inbox is literally polluted with neat stuff. Nice. That I got to check out. So nice. I had no idea how many emails you got when these things happened. Oh really? Like, <laughs> holy crap! It's like, like this. I used. I'm used to getting like an email every couple of days. This is like one an hour. Well, it's like. To, to feel my pain, that's how much email I get on a regular day. No day. And then around PAX time, I get that plus what you're getting right now. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so feel my pain, Joel. Mm-hmm. Feel my pain. One day this will be you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we go through to bring you the hits, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Uh, so actually, our, our kind of our last topic here. Short mashcast today. Jeez, it's because Nick's not here to dispute us. Well, it's all good news. It's like, we have nothing to complain about. Like normally, we, bitching is our you know bread and butter here. But <laughs> yeah. it's like it's Xbox fixing things, uh, 
Square Enix fixing things. Amazon's kind of shit, but yeah, it's okay. whatever. It's Metacritic. We've already complained about it. You know how we feel. <laughs> uh, the, the the feel good cast going on now. Um, so yeah, free the play whales. So <laughs> so basically, we're not as we, stupid as we turned out to be. Yes, the the <laughs> whales specifically, like basically a, a lot of free to play games. The idea that they lived off of whales that most players would not spend money, but you have a few players that will spend obscene amount of, amounts of money. And it was always thought that these were like impulse buys. You know, these people have disposable income, they're just going to spend it, and that's how it works. However, Ubisoft, once again, doing something smart, they actually um, hired social scientists to look into this. Like, okay, they look into the behaviors. Because, you know, free-to-play comes with a lot of data. Companies are collecting a lot of data on you uh, when you play these free-to-play games. How much time you play, what you're buying, when you're buying, how you're using it, what attachments, in this case, like you're putting on your guns and stuff like that. All this data is being recorded, and Ubisoft has it. But uh, the problem with big data is, like, you can have a ton of data, but how do you interpret it? You need somebody who can interpret this data, and that's what uh, Ubisoft did. They brought in some research scientists uh, to go through the data and, you know, find out what's going on with it. And so a lot of free-to-play games have the same data, and the takeaway from that, that, that data was that, you know, these guys are, uh, these are impulse buys, and they're just spending a lot of money, and so we should focus on that. We should focus on the whales. But the research scientists are saying, nay, that's, that's not what's happening. Uh, what they're, they're saying is that the, the, the big spenders, at least now, this is in regards to Ghost Recon Online, okay? Uh, the heavy spenders, they weren't, these weren't like impulse buys. As they were long-term, you know, decisions that were made uh, to help them get a better mastery of the game. Like they focused on... Uh, certain purchases and on certain gear and certain items to ma- to master different parts of the game, okay, or try new tactics or you know stuff like that. That's what they did. Uh, I, I would imagine most of the the purchases weren't like let's say like XP bonuses and stuff like that, but actual weapons and attachments and classes and things like that. And so that you know. That's that's what was happening in Ghost Recon Online. He said he, they even tested a couple things where you know they were trying to get people to do impulse buys. He said they were you know so they started doing sales at a regular interval. And he says what happened is is that the the big the big spenders weren't they weren't taking advantage of the sales at first. He says but what they what they found out what they were doing was they figured out the frequency of the sales and what items would be on sale and they waited certain periods of time to buy specific items so they can get them on sale. So once again, well thought out long-term decisions for the things that they want. Which makes sense because actually kind of that's the way I work. Like I'm not just going to buy something. I'm not just going to see a gun but I'm going to buy that. Um, most of the time what I do and I do play Ghost Recon Online is that I, I you know I weigh my options because I don't want to buy a gun it sucks and then I have to go you know buy another gun you know I'll see how other people are doing with it I'll try to compare it to other weapons and then I will select my arsenal piece by piece but I don't mind making like 
big purchases when I know it's going to work out for me. This is the problem I had with, um, oh, God, Blacklight. I think it was uh, the Blacklight Extinction or Blacklight something. Hold on a second. Retribution, was it? There you go. Blacklight Retribution was the fact that the investment to buy a gun was just way too heavy. You know, like, you could rent a gun for, like, five bucks, but if you actually want to put a, a custom gun together with, like, you know, certain pieces, it could cost up to $15 for one weapon. Mm. You know, that was, it was too big of an investment, and there was no way for me to test it. The, the, the good thing about that game is, like, I would just kill somebody at the beginning of the round who bought an expensive gun, and i just use that for the rest of the game. <laughs> so that's how I ended up getting around that. But, yeah, that's what I didn't like about Blacklight. With Ghost Recon, uh, it's a little bit, you know, different because you can't just... It, it's harder to go just pick up somebody else's weapon. Like, Ghost Recon is a lot more sneaking around and being careful, whereas fucking Blacklight was more Call of Duty-ish. Mm-hmm. I think this is good news for just DLC in general that they're finding out stuff like this because it's it's a lot of DLCs seem really slapdash right. for a couple of years and now if they're seeing that the, the the bigger purchases are being made by gamers who really think about is this going to improve my game is this like quality is it something I want and hopefully it will be, like devs will take away from this that you know we need to release higher quality content if we want to sell it. It's people. They might have a game they like, but they're not going to buy just anything for it. And I mean, it, it's not much of a business model to build on if you're looking for like these free-to-play whales, like this people who randomly spend or just high spenders, and you're just hoping by luck to catch them. This is more. I, you look at your game, see how you can tune it up and make it better, and then you will draw interest in from the players who love the free-to-play game and want to improve it. Like it's just a better model all around for everybody to figure this out. Oh, absolutely! Like it's it's less trying to squeeze the player for money. Mm. That's what a lot of free to play games do. Mm. You know, less trying to squeeze the player for money and more, and more trying how to make how to make my game more valuable for the players mm. that want to play it. Because free to think about free to play, a lot of people will try your game. A lot of people will try your game, yeah. and you know, a, a lot of them won't stay. But you shouldn't be trying to squeeze as many pennies as you can out of each person. You're going to have people who stick around. And, uh, you know, you should try to figure out how do I make it worth it for them. I have to be honest with you. I don't know why more free play games, free-to-play games don't do it. But they need to have a base package. Like a $60 package where you could just buy it. And, you know, it unlocks every weapon at the time. You know, like it unlocks it's you know, or it unlocks every weapon at a time, unlocks all pay weapons at that specific time, and then if the game adds stuff, okay, now you gotta pay for it. Now you pay for it like it was DLC. Um, who did that? Tribes did that. Tribes did a game of the year edition for forty bucks, and it had everything available in Tribes at that time. You know, this is a then, good idea for the people who really like it from the get go and just wanna. I, I just want to cut out all the BS. Like I just just want to get everything done and out of the way. Yeah, the thing well, the thing about that, like the thing about those packages, they have to be priced reasonably. Mm-hmm. Like, um, okay, let's look at Loadout for example. That package that has all that stuff, uh, or at least, uh, sorry, their package has a shit ton of gold. It comes with a shit ton of like space bucks, they call it, mm-hmm. and you can spend the space bucks on whatever you want. But that package is like a hundred and forty bucks. Yeah, no one's gonna pay that. 
That's that's I mean, that's too much. That's way too much. It's like a hundred and forty fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. And like, no, it needs to be reasonable. It needs to be like you know, sixty bucks buys you all this shit. You get the whole shebang for sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that. Because remember, sixty bucks is a premium price, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, you you'll get you'll get a bunch of people who play it and spend the sixty bucks in your game. Or they'll play it and they'll buy stuff piecemeal. Or perhaps you'll get people who play your game for free, you know, and they're like, "Ah, oh, well, I want to start buying stuff, but you know what? For sixty bucks, I can get this whole package." And boom, they spend the money. That's yeah. what you want. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. So yeah, I um, I I am happy that they that Ubisoft hired these guys to do this study, mm-hmm. and um. I hope people pay attention, like because yeah. this is this is good news. Damn, yeah. it's a it's a good day to be in the games industry. It's a good exactly, day. all kinds of good news. Yeah, this should have been this would have been a good week for for you know for the games industry on the Mashcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right. I mean, this is all relatively new stuff, like free to play and DLC and all that, so that they're kind of start to figure out, you know, how people buy it, and you know, I mean, even though this is stuff we could have told them, you know. When they started, yes, absolutely. But uh, it's good that they're finally finding out, and like the games industry might get some of its feet back under it and figure some of the shit out and do something right for change. That would be, that'd be great. That'd be super. That would be super. All right, so that's 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 the end of our main topics. There's one more thing we want to bring up, and we're not going to dwell on it because we have just shat all over this game for this entire season. <laughs> but we have to get mad about something. Yeah. So. Um, EA or DICE announced that they uh, will be uh, what's the exact words they use they will be upgrading their hardware to resolve Battlefield 4's rubber banding issues uh, quote as soon as we know an exact timetable we'll let you know the ETA reducing lag for these players is absolutely a top priority for us to solve and we expect to have the resolution very soon haven't I seen a sentence like that before in regards to this game? Oh, yeah. Top priority. And top priority. Top pri- Solution it, very soon. Yeah, top priority is like, you know, a few weeks or a month after the game comes out. Not, like, when did the game come out? October? Yeah, something like November, that. November, December, January, yeah. February, March, April. Six months. And this is a still a top priority? Capital and something T-O-P. like, you mean to tell me that you didn't analyze the situation and realize that you needed more power? Really? You didn't realize that the problem was that the servers were being maxed out? And that's why I was overbanded that I couldn't handle the computations? Come on, son. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the bad news section of the Bashcast this week. <laughs> it's really not bad news. They're doing something about it. So, hey, maybe they'll have it ready in time for Battlefield 5. Who knows? They're trying to fix it at least, I guess. There's that. This is the worst. I, I really, I I can't wait for the next Battlefield because I really want to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I really do. I want to see what's going to happen. Are people going to be like, well, no, it's Battlefield 4. They got all the bugs out there. Okay, now. Okay. Sheep. <laughs> I know that's what EA's hoping will happen. Oh yeah, that's what they're hoping is going to happen. That's what they're banking on. EA, they need to tumble. They need to tumble. They tumbled, I would say probably 2006, 2007, and we got a good a good period from them. They became the savior from Activision. That's what they mm-hmm. came became. And then they fucked it up again. Mm-hmm. 
they need to tumble so we can get some good games out of them. You know. So we'll see what happens. And I, I guess I'm very interested in Battlefield 5 because I I really want to see it. <laughs> huh. Okay, so let's see. Oh, Amy oh, I just found some new news. Mm. Amy Hennig, which uh, the the woman who left uh the developer, I should say, that left um Naughty Dog we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Going to Visceral Games. Visceral. Dead Space. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, but she's going to be working on a Star Wars project, which... I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah, it'll be cool. Uh, as as long as the shooting improves compared to regular Naughty Dog games. I'm looking at you, banana people, and you're swaying movements, dodging my fucking bullets. <laughs> All I need is that shit happening in space, and I'll lose my mind. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Like the the Naughty Dog shooting. Although I balls. I bought uh, Uncharted two from GameStop for a dollar fifty today, so I'm gonna go dig in anyway. You didn't play Uncharted two yet? No, no, because I played Uncharted one and everyone dodged my fucking bullets all the day uh, long. So I'm like, I'm not playing the series. I'm not even fucking touching it because it's gonna drive me nuts. Uncharted two is awesome. I I, I really like that game. Uh, the shooting is much better than Uncharted mm-hmm. one. The shooting is much better okay. uh, than Uncharted One, and the game is it's awesome. But they, there are they, it come, you get to a point where you're fighting these these things, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why do these things exist? I <laughs> I fucking hate my life right now. <laughs> it's a true crime moment. Yeah. And now I'm fighting zombies in the sewers. I thought well, this you, was a police game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know how you know how Uncharted has that twist. You know, you start fighting things that aren't really realistic in the first Uncharted. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... I didn't beat Uncharted 3 yet, but I'm pretty sure all three Uncharted games have those. Mm-hmm. And if you thought the enemies in the Uncharted 1 were annoying, wait till you see the ones that you have to fight in Uncharted 2. Uh, it's beautiful, though. It's beautiful. Yeah, wanted to play it for a while. $1.50. I was like, I don't even have to like it for $1.50. That is true. I think yeah, you're going to like it a lot. Right, so let's see what's coming out. Elder Scrolls um, Online is to, today for you people listening. Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online. So that's uh, well, I really don't have anything about that. I'm um, wow. I mean, I'm interested in the idea, but uh, I don't know. Nothing worth mentioning is really coming out. Are April's pretty wretched from what I was looking over. Yeah, it is. Like the holy shit! Look at this, man. This is pretty bad. Yeah, the summer drought starting early, kids. The only game I saw of interest was that Conception 2 one yeah. where you got to freaking get girls pregnant to build an army, which is so <laughs> Japanese is not funny. That sounds awesome. I know. I definitely have to play it. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. You got Re- you got Daylight and Child of Light at the end of April. Jeez. But uh, Raiden 4 is coming out, so I'll probably check that out. Um, Raiden 4 Overkill, which I don't even know if it's a port of something. I've never played it. Yeah, I thought Raiden 4 came out on the... It's a it's a ship game, right? Like, shmup. Yeah, shmup, yeah. Yeah, because there was a Raiden 4 on the Xbox 360. So maybe it's a super enhanced edition or something? Maybe, I don't know. Oh, it's a good series, I like it. Hmm. Alright, so yeah, now like... 
buckle down, folks. <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. This is going to be a great time to play some indie games. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what sort of crazy shit I find at PAX to mm-hmm. tell you all about. Yes, yes. Joel will be our only person that PAX this year, unfortunately. I'm not able to go. Neither is Nick. So Joel will be the man. So you just have to choke down whatever I happen to be interested in. It's going to get weird, kids. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap us up. As always, thank you for listening. You can check us out on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. We are on iTunes. For your, uh, well, I was going to say for your iOS and Android devices, but no, just for iTunes. <laughs> so for your iOS devices, we are on Stitcher Smart Radio, which is for your i iPad, iPhone, Android, all that good stuff. Um, we're on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Facebook. Uh, twitter.com slash Facebook. Wow. It's, it's a rough night for me, folks. Rough night. Too positive. Um, Don't know how to deal with all this smiling. Yeah, I know, right? So it's, it's twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash smash those buttons, and youtube.com slash smash those buttons. Uh, we have a couple other podcasts. We have Wow Thoughts, which is a new Wow Thoughts. We just came out this week. Uh, we have that gaming life, which we I knew we put a new one out last week called Game Changers. It's long, but it's worth it. Uh, we got Game Club coming up, gonna be out next week. So yeah, just check out our other podcasts. Actually, we are gonna have a special edition podcast coming later this month. Uh, with uh one of the the members of the FGC of the fighting game community. Uh, there was a tournament in Vinland, New Jersey that we sponsored, and it, the turnout was actually pretty good. It was really good, and he's going to get on. He's going to talk about the tournament, what happened on that one, and uh, what we're expecting from the next tournament. So that's going to be later on this month. All right, so, yeah, that's that's going to wrap it up for us. Looks like the games industry did not need Nick's protection this week. Yeah, maybe next week maybe there will be a different story. Joel, you'll be in, at PAX, right? Yeah, I'm, I will be all disappeared. I will be going to bed early and probably not talking to you guys. Yeah, so I'll be yeah. on. I'll also be on hotel internet, which is the most tragic internet on earth. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll um, you know, we'll talk, we'll we'll discuss what the arrangements are if there are going to be any arrangements at all. So, uh, but you'll at least hear me and Nick. And actually, next week is the last podcast for this season. Then we'll be taking a little break and then coming back. So that's going to be that. All right, guys, we will catch you next week for the grand season finale. Of the MASHCast Season 5. Will it end on a cliffhanger that we never resolve? Shit, movie 2? Yeah. <laughs> Find out next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> All right, folks, have a good one. Good night. God, I'm so happy. 